So my neighbor, her parents own a sawmill down the road and they're English. <laughs> so I went to him and he came and walked the property with me. And he told me that I do have a lot of valuable prop or trees. And just to back up a little, the Amish guy had offered 50-50 for everything that he was taking. And I didn't know if that, I didn't know if that was a good deal or, you know, what. And at this point I'm praying now. <laughs> so, and I'm like, I mean, I, I didn't pray specifically in the beginning for this, but I've always asked every day I ask for wisdom. I read the proverb of the day, like today's what the seventh. So proverb, I just read the, cause I'm asking for wisdom. I want to walk with wisdom. And so, um, my, my, um, neighbor down the road came and walked and he said, you have a lot of valuable wood on this and you should ask nothing less than 70, 30 for this wood. And, um, and I wanted him to take the job. And he said, I, I don't want to take it out from under the Amish because I don't want there to be any hard feelings. And I'm like, yes, that's integrous. That's good. Yay. And, um, so then after he came and walked and we saw the trees that they had taken, they weren't cutting them correctly and they were cutting them part way, letting the trees fall over and pulling the heart out of the trees, which is making them a lot less valuable when they do it that way. So they don't know what they're doing. Mine was only the second lot that they had tried to do. So, um, I just, I prayed, Lord, let them not take my offer of 70, 30, let them back out of it. And, um, and so I told Norman, I said, well, you know what? Cause he said, what it looks like is they're cutting it part way and then they're running to get out of the way. And I'm like, that is not good. I, I don't, I don't want that. Right. So I'm like, okay, Norman, whether you take it or not, I am not going to go forward with this, with these people because it just doesn't look, and my, I didn't have peace. That's, that's a big clue. So I'm learning that too. I, I didn't have peace. And, um, so I went over to the Amish guy yesterday in morning and um, I, I was like, you know, I'm really sorry. I didn't want to do this over the phone. I wanted to be face to face because I don't want there to be any hard feelings, you know, just chalk this up to dealing with somebody that didn't have any clue what they were doing, but I don't want to go forward with this project. And, uh, and, and if I do revisit it in the fall, I'm going to make it 70, 30. And, um, and he said, well, I've been thinking about it too. And I'm, I, I don't think we're going to do it. So praise the Lord. And then now Norman is going to do it for me in the fall. And I will get the, the, the amount that, that I should get for these trees. So, so look how God came and came alongside and took care of his widow. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> You just said this widow, and I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. But when you said that, I saw Jesus look at his finger and go. family. I love this place because here we can be who we really are and we can be transparent not only of the glory that we get to see but also 
the things that we have to plow through as human beings. And I've been going through a deep place um, for uh, about a month, month and a half, maybe two months, as I'm watching and listening. And when Diane spoke, it just triggered the reality of the truth of it. So I'm going to share this. Um, manipulation, lies, and half-truths don't go unnoticed. Some of us choose to love in spite of, not because we are ignorant of. I have, I have a um, very close relationship I've had with a friend and her children for about 10 years, and um, I realized through that uh, relationship that I was getting what I called things that just didn't seem right in here, things that I just didn't understand, things that didn't settle right. Um, but I oversaw them and pushed them aside because I, I, I was uh, loving her where she was. And after a while, what I realized was uh, um, there was a great manipulation and lies on her behalf, but I put them over here and continued to love her where she was. But then, you know, I started deeply praying, and I always say this, and I say this to everyone and myself, and even to her. You know, after a while, I just want you to know that this is something I truly believe and know, that everything in the dark always comes out in the light. Everything in the dark always comes out in the light because the light drives it out of the dark. And when we are in the presence of people who are embracing maybe too much dark, the light in us penetrates it. And after a while, God does bring it out so that we can see it, so that we are protected as his children. So... I have had to end this relationship because it was unhealthy for me, his daughter. And I felt really sad because I spent 10 years caring, pouring, speaking into her and her children. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, was I, was I being manipulated? Was I being used? Was I all my time, energy, you know, all that. Was that just being wasted? Exactly. Because I continued to pray. And I was in deep prayer for three days after I made this decision to separate from this unhealthy relationship. And, the, and Daddy showed me clearly. He said, daughter, everything you did there, you did to serve me. You were serving me. You were loving me. You were caring through me. They never took anything from you because you were serving me. I asked you to serve them. And everything you did was not wasted. You weren't being used. All the energy and time that you invested in prayers, 
you did because you were loving them through me. And peace came. And I was able to rise up and embrace the joy of that. But I do want to share something that I've learned about myself because, you see, that's daddy for you. You know, uh, you were saying that great mirror of reflection, Rob, that he puts up, <laughs> and you take all of a sudden see a true pattern image in yourself that has been there. You've kind of known it, and you felt it, recognized it, but you just didn't want to really see the depth of it. When I was a little girl, my mother was very abusive and controlling. I was not allowed to have any friends. And if friends came over, my father yelled and screamed at him, told him never come back here again, that um, I couldn't play or have friends, that I had to work and I had to, had to do all this stuff. And so I was a little girl in the corner. We had a fence, the kind of fence that was chain link fence back then before all these fancy fences. And it, it hedged behind a garage in the corner. And the garage was in our, was a part of our property, and I would stand in that corner and watch as a little girl, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. About then it stopped. I would go there every day and watch them playing because that yard and place was where all the neighborhood kids gathered. And I was that little girl that was crying constantly and crying and asking them to come in my yard. Can I come over and all? And because I had no skills and they didn't, they were scared of me because, you know, I hear this girl's always crying in this corner and, and sobbing and crying out to them. So throughout my life, I've always been this, this little girl that watched people enjoy themselves, but never allow myself to have enjoyment or pleasure. Now I'm being very transparent here. Now I realize that I have this cycle on me that I didn't want to let go of this relationship for myself because I wanted that friendship so bad that I was willing to believe all the lies that were going off in me, warnings, because I, I was that little girl still crying and begging to have a friend. I am not that little girl. I am not that little girl. And I don't need that little girl anymore. I am not that little girl. I am his daughter. And I no need no more to have unhealthy patterns or relationships in my life because of my past. And so I'm being very transparent and this is my testimony for testimony Sunday and I love the fact that I can trust you all so much that I can share this with everyone here I love the fact that this is a safe place and I also love the fact that I'm still growing up and still being freed of the cycle that I was caught in so deeply, which was called domestic violence. And so this is a lifetime journey for anybody who was ever caught up in such deep trauma and PTSD 
and all the other things and patterns that jump on you. But freedom lies in him. And freedom lies in that great mirror that comes, that he reflects when you're ready to see it. Because he's a good daddy. And he won't show us something we're not able to understand or accept or learn. So if you're frustrated because you haven't learned or you need it, whatever, just realize that he's good all the time. And the lies and the dark always come out in the light. And we can choose then to put it all on the cross, which I did. And I said, this is too big for me. This, I don't want, I don't want any harm or anything to be done or punishment. I, I'm going to give all this to you. This is your mess, not mine. And everything you want to do is right and good about it. And I'm done. I'm separating myself. Even though in my heart I grieve and I have been grieving. And I, and, and I was just able just a few days ago to actually cry. And so I'm in a healing process, but I rejoice in that. And I praise him in that, that no matter what we get sucked up into or blindsided by, he's not. And he promises and he will, he will bring everything in the dark out in the light. So. I praise him. I praise him. I praise him. I love him. I glorify him in it because during it all, he was giving me everything I needed to care for that family because I was serving him. I was loving him. I was, I was yielding to him and glorifying him in the whole process. No one can ever manipulate us, hurt us, say nasty things about us, buying things, trap us. No one can ever con us, give us half-truths, because everything always comes out into the light. Praise Him. Amen. <clears throat> I like the theme that's going through here today these testimonies because this morning on my morning Facebook scroll um, those of you who use Facebook you know you'll see the memories pop up of something you posted in the past and on this day 2019 um, a lot of the leadership team was coming and getting their pictures done and people from the church are coming to get their pictures done for the new thing and apparently at one point I was sitting in my driveway in my car at the farmhouse and I was really hyper and I was just posting video after video of me just goofily singing just songs but then at one point in these series of videos I'm watching of myself and for once I'm not cringing I got kind of serious and I said I just love life right now like I'm just so excited for what's to come May 7th 2019 
And then I thought about, okay, so today's May 7th, 2023. And I just kept cycling through the videos and then kept putting myself back into where I am right now in this moment of May 7th, 2023. And out of four years, because I'm thinking of when I said, I'm so excited for what's to come and all the things that ended up happening in four years. Good and bad. I was definitely not expecting a large majority of it. Like many of you in the room. Not just the stuff we all shared in, but also the individual things that just happen that life does. And the things that strengthened you that you did not think you were going to come out of. That you were like, that was not on my radar. I don't deserve that. And still God was like, I'm here. It's okay. Just focus on me. In those four years. And I, I thought about where I was a year before that video and I was in a very different place May 7th 2018 I wasn't back at the house yet it was just months from then that I came back to the house and it was another like whoa at that point thinking that I was like whoa a lot happened in one year 2018 to 2019 that was a huge year for me and I I know in conversations I've had with many of you in the room a lot happened in 2018 into 2019 a lot a lot of I'm so glad I got out of that was kind of the theme of of that season of life and I was talking with Melissa yesterday we were talking and I was telling her about how even in that time frame We tend to ask God, what do I do? Where do I go? Tell me exactly how to do it. Like give me all the minute details so I know that I'm not making the wrong decision. And I think I've shared this one with you before, but this is what I shared with Melissa that When I had gotten out of the place that I was, the situation, the whole life, everything I was going through, and I was on this journey with the Lord of, who is Amanda? Not without all the things that have played a role into my mindset up to that point, but who is just Amanda as she is? What is it? What are my core values? removing all experiences, even including the house, literally removing all experiences. Lord, what am I about? And then out of that season, I had an, out of that, I I had a, an opportunity be presented to me, which was to move to Rhode Island and be a youth pastor at a French church up there. And I was like, man, my heart was on it. I felt so in sync but it was so confusing because I had just come home and my heart was so in sync. And I remember asking the Lord, all right, A or B, A or B. Because I think I've made some bad decisions and I didn't get out of there in the times you were like, hey, red alert, red alert. And I didn't leave. 
And you all knew that and didn't tell me. Thanks, guys. It was worth it. It's fine. I forgive you. But God, the whole time as I'm asking A or B, A or B, he said, I trust you to make the decision. I want that decision to be yours. And I'll partner with whichever one you decide. And ultimately, I made the decision to stay and be home. And here we are four years later, right? Four and a half. And I'm just so amazed at how God is so personal in our lives, how he's in every intricate detail. Like he doesn't miss a thing. And so looking at myself in those videos from four years ago, looking how I looked different, and, I, and it just my face looked different and, and just, I didn't look at myself for the first time since that time probably and go, oh, I miss that. I actually didn't have that thought this morning. A couple months ago, I would have said that. Oh, I miss that time in my life. Everything just seemed so together and everything was going in such a good direction and, you know, nothing fell apart. I wasn't side-blinded time after time after time after time. I didn't have that thought this morning. Instead, I had the thought of, if only that girl had the mindset that I have today. Granted, that girl was way more mature and healed than she was a year before that date. I kind of was forced to. It was going to make or break me. But four years later, here I am, and I'm as much as I'm not in certain areas in my life, not really where I want to be, I am probably the most optimistic and hopeful I've probably ever been in my entire life. As much as things aren't necessarily going the way I want them at my speed, I'm constantly humbled that God's constantly right next to me saying, oh, but it's going to be worth it, darling. And I mean, it's just so cool to be up here and just to reshare that with all of you because you guys have literally watched me grow over the last next month's 14 years and it still blows my mind and I was telling Melissa this yesterday because I wasn't aware until this past leadership retreat how much you guys paid attention to me and my life when I wasn't even here And you guys just knew I was going to come home. You picked up on things I didn't know was happening. And I'm just so grateful to even have the honor of being 
and having the opportunity of being able to transition into being one of the senior leaders of this place. Like, I'm really undone by that. Because in my head, sometimes I'm still just that 15-year-old girl that my friend invited over because I stayed the night for a youth event and I was having too much fun. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. Turns out it's my weapon. <laughs> Glad you picked up on that. Patella. So <clears throat> I just I just want to say thank you for so far 14 years of you guys showing me who God is. And 14 years of you guys speaking into me, getting to know me before I knew me. And you guys just help and guide me along. And here we are. There she is. I'm rambling now, so. I just am very grateful for you guys. So just seeing that video from four years ago, me being back in the community. A lot's happened in four years but a lot more greater things are to come. And it's going to make all of those rough things way more worth it. Thank you. Twenty-five years ago, my husband and I walked into this building. Bobby Thompson was laying on the floor with the pillow, and he looked like he was asleep, and every once in a while he would stand up and say a word. Things have changed a lot. And um, when I first started here, I was the director of a crisis pregnancy center, Choices in Easton. And I remember our church went on our, our, we had a walk for life in Easton. So last week when Pastor Bob was touching on the things he was touching on, it pierces my heart every time because I'm, I always think about this one incident and why I resigned from being the director of the pregnancy center four or five years after I was there. Um... I must have mentored around 1,500 young women. I spoke at different churches. Um, but the last year I struggled, I battled. A young couple came to me, and this would have been their sixth child. She was seven and a half months pregnant and came to me wanting an abortion. And I said, we don't do abortions here. And I shared God's love with her and her husband. They were in my office for about three hours. But they chose abortion. I was devastated. And I put my face before the Lord. And I said, what could I have said or done to save this baby? 
the Lord spoke to my heart and he said nothing. They made their decision. But that was one of the hardest things I think I went through as an adult. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but because I was going to talk about something else. But <laughs> so I'm sitting there listening to Pastor Bob, and um, all that came back, that pain. And I still think about that couple, and I think about them often. And I always wonder what ever happened to them. Did they ever forgive themselves for not allowing their sixth baby to live? How can you decide which one of your children should live or die? I can't even begin to tell you, um, or maybe I, I'm telling you, but if you could feel that in my spirit. But one of the things last week as well, and I shared this with Pastor Bob, when he, um, I saw a volcano. And in the heart of the volcano, the lava is bubbling hot. And the Lord was showing me that when that volcano gets ready to erupt, that's his spirit getting ready to erupt and overflow in this building. That he's waiting for the right moment for that eruption to take place. And when it does, what lava does is it goes out over the land and burns everything. And the Lord said that happens to destroy the, the crops or whatever. But what will birth from that is greater new things. And that's what's going to happen here. He was showing me that lava is getting ready to erupt. And that's the spirit of the Lord's getting ready to erupt like this church has never seen before. It's going to happen. It's going to happen with you guys. I remember when you first started here. But several years ago, for some reason, and I don't know why, I just quit coming to church. I don't know why. It just happened. And a lot of things have happened in the time, but the buildings changed. We've seen changes. I remember when um, we met with the Indian nations and broke the arrow. I mean, there's been, I've seen children grow up. I saw Claudia Miller's daughter, who I remember when she was still real young. <laughs> um, you know, I've seen the adults grow. I remember Heather when she was young. And I remember when she first met Nate. Bob and Linda was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> they still are. <laughs> but I tell you what, Nate has one of the biggest, most genuine hearts you would ever meet. Yes. And we love Nate. Yes. But I love all you guys and those. I see faces I don't know. I don't know your names. But I know some of you I've known for 25 years. And I'm glad to be back home. And the thing is, it's like I never left because the love is still there. And the love that some of you have, I don't know yet, but I'll find it. But, you know, I just, I remember Diane when her daughter was like this big. Welcome home. You don't need an excuse card. Okay. How 
is your little girl? She's a big girl. She's working for the government, man. Wow. But I remember she was this big, and Sister Cora would bring little Christopher in. I don't know if Christopher's here or not, because I wouldn't recognize him. <laughs> but I just want to say, I hope I get to meet all of you and get to know you. And I'm sorry, I, I almost feel like I failed you guys when I quit coming. But, you know, it feels kind of, it's a homecoming. And just to see, and I paint, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I need to paint that volcano, but I don't know if it'd be good enough. It might look like a cartoon caricature thing, but I love to paint. I go paint night every Tuesday, just about since 2017, just to relieve stress. But, and to see the beautiful artwork that comes out through the spirit is amazing. I've just seen so many changes and it's so, my husband and I, mainly him, not me, taught children's church. And that was a feat in itself. <laughs> I mean, to see those little kids and four generations of my family, Wyatt is my great grandson. You all know Wyatt. Um, so just to see my our family still coming. My son and his wife came not too long ago. And um, what was amazing was I remember my granddaughter, Savannah. She was the first spinner here. <laughs> she was real little. I think she was, what, four, Pastor Bob? No, she was younger. Yeah, she was about four. And my daughter and her husband were sitting on that second row, and Savannah got up. And Savannah loved to twirl to watch her dress spin. And she got up here and just started spinning. It's like, I don't know how she did it. She was like a tornado, just like this, all over the floor. And some of the people were going, why is that child up there? And Pastor Bob, we all know Bob. He said, isn't it, um, uh, if, I might be misquoting, but isn't it amazing that as a child, they can worship before the Lord. And that's, I think, when it kind of started breaking out was when that's when the freedom started happening because he said, you know, we're to come to the Lord as a small child and worship him. Let her be. Because Scott was like so embarrassed. He was like, oh, get her out of there. You know, but it started with her. And now to see Wyatt do it, I'm like, yes, God, this is amazing to see my great-grandson worshiping the Lord. And in that freedom, and Pastor Bob, and Pastor Bob and had always given that freedom to the children. And to see it continue is amazing. And anyway, I'm sorry, I could go on, but I love you guys, and I hope to get to know all of you. I'm Deborah, by the way. Welcome home, Deborah. It's your mother's heart. We have a lot of mothers 
your and fathers. Just amazing. Um, <laughs> I got several things here. First, um, we talk about seasons. Oh, look who's here. Hold on, I gotta get out. I'm just, I'm just going to join the crowd, right? I have uh, some friends that um, we reach out for prayer. And I want to tell you, don't, nothing is too small for prayer. So I'm, I'm just going to back up a minute and tell you that because everything he cares about, everything in your life, okay? And uh, I love what Sue was talking about, you know, being able to do a lot of things at her age that many can't do. Well, I, I'm one of those. You know, God... With Gordon and I, thank God I can do what I can because I can take care of him. And I've got a lot going on in my home, my family. I take care of my grandkids and remodeling their house. And it's like, okay, and any of you that, that works with carpenters and construction, you know, it's expensive. But God has taught me how to do it. And sometimes I'm, I'm standing there like, I've never tiled a bathroom. I've never tiled anything. But then he shows me. He shows me. He, he, he cares enough about me that he shows me. All I have to do is go to him in prayer and trust him with that. So, you know, even, you know, so I'm just talking about the small things. He cares about all those small everyday things that goes on in our lives. But, um... My son, he's had a rough few years. Well, I'll just put it that way. And um, he had told me, he calls me. Fortunately, you know, I'm sometimes his therapist. <laughs> uh, yes, like all moms. But um, he was telling me he, was an, he had come to the conclusion he was an agnostic. You know, he just didn't believe anymore, you know. Was God really, you know, didn't believe God was there, God was talking, you know, going to do anything in his life, so forth and so on. Of course, I sent out, I finally got around, and I'm one of the worst. Now, I'm standing here telling you <laughs> to reach out in prayer, and I'm one of the worst people in the world at it, so I'm talking to myself here. But I reached out to this group of friends, and I asked them for prayer for him, and I told them just a little. And this was on a Thursday. The following Tuesday, just those few days, things had changed because suddenly I get a text, Mom, will you pray? The young man who had decided to turn his back on God and to run away was asking for prayer. So that, you know, to me, those prayers that they had spoke out were making such a big difference in his life. And, uh, and, um, so I just wanted to, to share that with you. And, oh, and another thing, Tom. We got Tom's testimony last week. We heard it. He talked about eating. Well, after we got the testimony, things shifted. Um, he called me. He needed to go to the emergency room because he, the diarrhea was back. And um, so he went. Unfortunately, he was able to come back home. 
He's, he's, he's got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. But what kept going through my mind was he spoke the testimony. We heard the testimony. Now the enemy is trying to take that testimony away from him and away from us. You know, but he's standing strong. And we know, and we're going to stand strong with him. And we're going to continue to pray, and we're going to continue to have the faith and not devalue, let's see where I can think now, his testimony. So we're still standing, Marion, we're still standing with you and Tom. Okay? Um, but I wanted to read something. Um, in the back last week, this came to me. But sometimes things come to us, and it's not time. It doesn't, shall I say, flow with what God is doing in the room. So I want to read this to you. And for some of you, I want you to take it to heart. Okay? Through the years, our Father has brought boldness to many who speak what is happening in the room. Such as Jacqueline when she shares on Sundays. As I sit in the back of the room, I see others who have held this place throughout the years. The influences of the non-kingdom world have distracted them, have replaced their kingdom voice. Earlier this week, when I was here in the church, I saw a cloud and felt death. I saw that cloud again today in the sanctuary. But the cloud did not represent a physical death, but a combination of a mental emotional, spiritual death. Just as those I wrote about in the beginning of this have lost their voice, this cloud was above some who have, who have had active dreams, active desires, and even an active relationship with God. These have become stagnant for whatever reason. The individual believes their dream or desire is dead. I believe he wants to change this. He wants to bring a newness and a freshness to your dreams, visions, desires, and your relationship with him. So my prayers for our church community comes as a declaration. Arise. Arise and be renewed. Hope arise. Life to all.
and I will not be silent. I will always worship you, and I will not be silent. I will always worship you. I will not be silent. I will always worship you. And I will not be silent. I will always worship you. You are When God called Jeremiah, he told him, do not be terrified or I will terrify you in front of them. I have been running in a quiet way I ran from my calling. I'm a preacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a preacher. And I ran from it. I mean, I ran from it because the idea of people not receiving a message well terrified me I ran from social media I ran from Facebook YouTube 
I seldom speak in person. But I'm back. Mm-hmm. I am. Uh, and I'm back because last Sunday, the Lord woke me up early and He led me to. I was um, sharing the, um, the passage with um, Pastor Robert where Jesus spoke the parable of the fig tree. He said, I've been visiting this fig tree for three years. It, it has given no fruit. Why should it have, I cut it down? It's taking up soil. And the gardener said, give me one more year. I'll fertilize it. And if after the one year, it doesn't give fruits, you can cut it down and throw it away. And that passage, God was reminding me of my calling. When he first called me to ministry, I wanted a church. I thought I was going to graduate from seminary. I was going to start a church and do it the traditional way. And he and I, I've gone back and forth for years now over it. And he's made it clear that, no, I'm not giving you a church. And I finally accepted that. That's okay. My calling is that there is a very specific moment where God, it's similar to what he was telling Jeremiah. There is a season where he's trying to get people's attention. And he's placed a message on a lot of people's hearts about different things. And Jeremiah, which is why I started with that verse, when he realized what God had asked him to tell the people, he's like, no. They will kill me if I say this. So you try to run. But where, where can you run from God? Jonas tried to run. He ended up in a fish. I finally accepted that you can't run from your calling. So where where does that leave me? That leaves me at a place where Elijah was and he was facing the prophets of Baal and he said, 
I'm going to set up the what's the word I'm looking for the altar thank you I'm going to set up my altar here I'll pour the water I'll put the sacrifice you do yours I'm doing mine here you do yours here and we'll see for which one God comes through If God did not come through for him, Elijah wouldn't have made it through that day. And he was so afraid at one point he told God, "They will kill me." He was running, he went hiding, and God told him, "No, I have hundreds more who will speak for me." I say all this to say what? God wires people in a certain way for a particular mission. I'm a straight shooter. I will tell you what's on my heart. And I don't think that's that's a mistake. I think God wires me that way because there are times when we are in a position where God looks at you and say, "This is what I want you to say." And sometimes we take about 20 different other ways we can say it, but in reality we can say it the way he told us to say it to begin with. Thank you for your love. thinking about I mean how I could share so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna share the latest <laughs> um, Friday Angie was in an accident and she totaled and rolled her car she snapped a pole in half <laughs> um, she's okay but it doesn't seem like much more than yesterday that that story ended way different when Jennifer was in an accident and I s- there's just testimonies are great and I think we should share you know when God does things and he does so much but most of what he does is he stays with us he never leaves us He never leaves us when things go our way and he never leaves us when things don't go our way. There's been a lot not going my way lately. <laughs> and he has been right with me and he is that's what makes him good. That's what makes him praiseworthy. He is and he doesn't change and he is our 
our steady. He is our rock. He is the the thing that stays constant, whether we come to him or we don't come to him, whether we he still stays. And it's so humbling to to remember again and again that as good as he is, that he chose to be in relationship with me and to make his presence known in my life and to be there for me. So I just, I just praise him. I praise him, praise him. He's He is to be praised. And um, I said it. I remember when my dad passed. You know, he got cancer and he passed away. And I I said it then. If you don't have a community, get one. Because when in times like these, you're going to need a community. You're going to need a family. You're going to need... I mean, God is here in the flesh also. And it's... It's your hands and it's your it's your love, it's your hugs, it's it's the times you say things and it's the times when you know you shouldn't say things. <laughs> and so, you know, just being in this community my entire existence, it seems, has been, you know, very, very good. And I just I just pray that I can give as much as I've been given. And I love you guys. Morning, Linda and I were sitting on the front porch enjoying the morning and um, uh, just a Absolutely beautiful morning. Sky was just so blue. The clouds were so white. It was just, it was just an awesome, awesome morning. And we're sitting there having our coffee, and um, and then it dawned on me as I'm, I'm looking at this. You know, this thing called Earth, you know, or somebody else called it the third rock from the sun. You know. I, I was looking at the blue sky and it, and it dawned on me that, you know, here in this whole thing called the universe, I'm sitting on the front porch on a planet called Earth, of which the atmosphere of planet Earth is approximately 60 miles high. The state of Delaware is 132 miles long. So the entire atmosphere of this planet is not quite half the length of the state of Delaware. Once I leave the atmosphere and get it and go into space, the the first thing that happens is there's no sound. There's no sound because there's no air. And sound needs to move through air in order to be heard. 
I'm sitting there on the porch and birds are singing all over the place. Geese are landing in the pond. Linda and I are talking. I am saturated by sound. All of which is only possible in this 60 mile atmosphere. And then it, I thought just a little bit further that in the beginning, God created. And in that creation, there is this place where we all live. And our ability to even, for life to even exist is 60 miles deep in a universe that has black holes swallowing up black holes. We live in a 60 mile envelope called an atmosphere that was created by our Father. And I could, I could go on with some other stuff which I'm not gonna do, but just when you look at creation To say that somehow this all just randomly came together, you know, it does, I think I said this last week, but it's only been recently that they've put the code of the human genome together. That's an incredible code. It's so incredible that the slightest variance, there would be no life. The Earth sits on an axis that we're 23 degrees, you know, the planet tilts 23 degrees. If there was not a 23 degree tilt, no, no life would be able to exist on the planet. We also wouldn't have seasons. We have a season because the Earth's on a tilt. Fifteen degrees would not be enough. 26 degrees would be too much. But at the right tilt, life exists on this planet. You know, it's just, when we think about God uh, drawing us to himself, again, and maybe some of what I was reflecting on last week, we are his creation and he created each one of us individually with a unique purpose that no one else can fulfill the absence of you can't be replaced with someone else there is there the absence of you means you're absent you know but his love his grace, his design, his purposes in each of our lives. Um, for the last two weeks, my son had decided that this was the year that dad was going to shoot a turkey. I've never shot a turkey. I've never been turkey hunting. And Josh was determined that this was my year. It wasn't. 
Some turkey somewhere, I'm sure, is glad about that. But for two weeks, I had the privilege of walking around a 300-acre track of woods where Josh hunts all the time. And um, what I began to see, the person that owns this woods I've never met and I've never seen, but his handprint is all over this 300-acre track of woods. The trails we walked on, this individual has made. A lot of the trees he's planted, the, the food plots he's planted, the, um, the control burns that he does. It's, so in 300 acres, every step I took, I took it in, in what someone else had created and then given me the privilege of coming into that creation. And when we think about the providence of God, isn't that what his providence is? He's invited us into this large track. And even though I haven't seen him, his hand is everywhere. His provision is everywhere. The trails that I walked on, someone else had prepared. It is how God's providence works. And I was close a couple times to some turkeys. Most of the time, they were gobbling over there, so we went over there. But then they were gobbling over there, so we went over there. And I walked around this whole 300-acre track of land. But even in God's providence, part of that is that. There, there are times in our lives you know, Jerry, you just referenced it. Others have referenced it. There's those, there's those times in our lives that the, the call, in my case, these last two weeks, the turkey call, was what I needed to get me to take the next steps and walk through the providence that's all been prepared in this track of land. And so I take the next step, and then there's a, there's a sound again. And of course, we call back and forth. Josh did, I didn't. I mean, I was scared every turkey in the county away. But, you know, he's calling, he's squawking, he's doing all the stuff that he does. And, um, and there's just those times in God's providence where the conversation goes back and forth, but it's still requiring and waiting on me to take the step. To, to, be, to prepare myself again, to get set for what was, what's the next thing that's going to happen. We get discouraged because we obviously, as has been said today, and I think most of us in the room know, what we want, we want it now. We want it full, we want it complete, and we want it problem-free. And instead, I'm walking around carrying a... Uh, tripod under one arm, a gun over my shoulder, all decked out in all the paraphernalia, and I had to walk. And some ground was easy to walk on, and others' ground was soft and it was muddy and it wasn't easy to walk on. But in the pursuit, I had to do my part. And then, as we walked out of the woods yesterday, season ended yesterday, so we walked out of the woods 
Josh looks at me and he goes, well, we didn't do it this year. That's the way turkey hunting goes. He goes, you can spend the whole season just chasing them. He said, and you watch next year, you'll walk in the woods and you'll have one an hour after, after shooting time starts and you'll be good. He said, that's just the way turkey hunting goes. But that's really the way Providence goes. Providence will be there because God is faithful. It's going to require things of me. It's going to require things of you. That's stewarding. And then there's these amazing intersections where the divine and the natural come together. And it's in those moments that we get totally uh, taken up in what it looks like when God fully steps into a position. And I, and I would say, at least out of my own experience, when that happens once, you're ruined. You'll pursue that again the rest of your life. Because it's worth the pursuit. Because it, as you've said earlier, it shapes us, it grows us, it matures us. That's part of it. It lets us see who God is. That's a big part of it. And then there's those moments where the divine and the natural come together and something that's never been seen on the earth before gets created and then goes out to, to accomplish all that it's been called to do. So... You know, Jesus fed the thousands... 5,000. <laughs> yeah, so Jesus, Jesus fed a whole bunch of folk and seems to have done it flawlessly. I, on the other hand, I do good to remember to do it. We're getting there. We are. We are. Well, let's, let's all stand. I'd like to do two things. First, you know, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And today has really been a day of remembering him. Every story that's been told, everything, is, I mean, it's Jesus. I mean, he's the one that's doing it. He's the one that's brought us in. It's his life that has given us life. It's his breath that has given us breath. And so as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So I get to remember Jesus this morning when I look at you. And that's a really great picture. I like that memory. And then after you take communion, take a moment and just turn to the person next to you and just bless them, pray over them. You know, what, whatever Holy Spirit leads, just take a moment and spend it with the people that are closest to you. Um, so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for all the stories that have been shared. They speak of your goodness and your faithfulness. They speak of the great grace that is upon us because of you, Jesus. That you were sown, Jesus 
and you were raised the Christ. And that'll never change. And it'll continue until every knee bows and every tongue confesses that you're Lord, that you're Lord. Thank you for that great love. So we receive the bread. Your flesh was torn that our bodies can be assembled together into community. And so we receive that today. Lord, continue to develop community in us. Show us how to honor and how to nurture what you're doing in our midst. And Jesus, after the meal, you took the cup and you blessed it and you said, this, this cup represents my blood, which is about to be shed. You gave your life so that we could have life. Your blood was sufficient to defeat sin and death and invite us into the resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. So just take a moment and just pray over the person next to you. Bless them. Welcome them. Glory unto your name.